When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Winning Plays podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Hey there, welcome in to another edition of the Winning Plays podcast. My name is Brian Robb. Uh, Rich and Mike are off this evening, but after game one of the Eastern Conference semifinals, we are bringing in the, the big guns with special guest co-host Ryan Berndoni, who I think is this number four, number five? Time co-hosting, Ryan. What will we hit here? Uh, yeah, sounds right. Four or five. It's good to be back. It's nice to be here after a win, playoff win. It is. So this is. Uh, we'll get it right into it here. There's plenty to unpack um, after obviously a very momentous uh, week uh, across the NBA. Um, we'll start with the game right now, Ryan. Uh, the Celtics were underdogs, um, at least to the experts, and in Vegas heading into this series. Um, and they happened to just dispatch Toronto fairly easily here for the second straight game in Orlando between the two teams. Um, some shooting outlying here in game one, but other than that, I kind of look at this game and think it's, it's going to be an uphill battle for Toronto in this series, um, even with Hayward out of the picture. Yeah, I mean, it sure seems like it. This is obviously the second game in the bubble when they, they played the Raptors, and they went 3-1 and one right during the regular season. But the right. the bubble game was a, a sort of similar to this game, really, in, in that they controlled it all the way. I think maybe now they went wire-to-wire both games. I don't think they've trailed at all in either of the two games. Um, so, yeah, I know that they are technically the, the underdogs here, but it seemed like a lot of Celtics fans were maybe more confident even in this series than against Philadelphia, where you really just didn't know what you were going to get there. It seemed like such a... Everything seemed, you know, you felt like they were the the Celtics were the better team before the series, but you just really was hard to get a read on what the 76ers were. The Raptors seem more like a stable sort of problem to try to solve here, and now you have two games where they've just basically wiped the floor with them. Uh, and you know, I, I hear what you're saying with with the some of the shooting outliers. There were some other outliers in there that I think bode better for what you're looking at for the Celtics uh, as the series develops. Uh, turnovers the Celtics are really high in turnovers so some of that stuff is going to balance out as well so I think from a Celtics perspective you have to be obviously very happy with a with a blowout win to open the series but also even some of the things that you, you look at and say okay maybe the Celtics won't shoot this well the Raptors won't shoot that poorly there are other things that might balance it out and it really did just kind of play to form to the sort of people who looked at the matchups in the last game in the bubble and were like this actually seems like a pretty solid matchup for the Celtics uh, certainly played out that way so that's some of the stuff that stood out for me was you know the the turnovers being particularly high maybe balancing out some of the the shooting things uh but it was an interesting game all around i, I think um 
uh, you know, I don't know how much you want to take from a single playoff game to start a series, but certainly a lot of very positive indicators aside from the score, I think, for the Celtics. But I don't know if anything stood out for you particularly. Like I said, you know, sort of turnovers and three-point shots, I think, are probably the, the two big top-line takeaways in terms of, you know, basic stat stuff. Right. And like you said, the turnover, a lot of that stuff came not when the game was fully decided, but when things were comfortable for the Celtics. And I think you nailed it in terms of uh, this game kind of playing out. You, know, you say it's game one of a series, but like you said, like this played out the same way as that seeding game did. Um, but I, get, I guess we should start. I kind of want to start with Smart here since this is the, the guy in the series where Toronto, at least in past years or opponents in past years, this would be the guy you could help off of, the guy you dare to take threes. And after a bad shooting series against the Sixers, he came back. And I'd, I'd say, right, I don't know, like, this was, like, was this a top five game in, like, s- smart history? Like, considering how good of a job, you know, the, the, the shooting is one thing. And then you have him, you know, being the defensive menace as he always is. But between that and the, the playmaking, the assist, like, he had five turnovers, but he didn't really feel it because he was just doing everything the Celtics wanted uh, pretty much all, all game long. Yeah, I think he was the best player on the court, at least you know in the part of the game when it was competitive. Uh, the second half of the game in particular got a little bit ragged on both sides, so I think you're right about some of the turnover stuff maybe coming up when the game wasn't uh, quite as competitive. But I thought he was the best player in the first half, the, the best player that the Celtics had. Uh, some of that, I think, may have been related to scheme. Uh, the the Raptors were just kind of right. leaving him he open the in open, the corner. Right. Which <laughs> um, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, sure. And like you said, he would be the player if you had to choose somebody to leave open. Obviously, they're going to leave open Tice at the top and maybe Smart in the corners. Uh, but he was making the shots. He had a couple of plays that weren't as simple as just catch and shoots. Uh, he'd been, I think, really good off the dribble all year. I think he was maybe the top off the dribble three-point shooter in the league this year. Not, not a huge volume, but... Uh, sort of weird stuff that you wouldn't expect to, to be real over the course of multiple years, maybe, but uh, not as good on the catch and shoot. And then in this game, he hit a couple catch and shoot threes from the corner. Also had a couple like sidestep dribble threes uh, that that looked good. And and all in all, like he ran the offense when it was necessary. He didn't shoot too frequently. Ten ten free or ten uh, field goal attempts, I think. Um, so he wasn't out there gunning away, even though he had had you know twenty one points. So it was controlled sort of all around and and then on the other side the real story of the game and and of the last two games I think is the Celtics defense and the way that it's really making life difficult on a Raptors team that doesn't have sort of a traditional focal point go-to player who's going to scare you Um, and he's obviously the you know the first line of of defense in 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 what the Celtics are doing on that end so really all around I thought he was the best player on on the floor Um, and it's not for lack of candidates there are other other players, particularly on the Celtics, who, who played really well, but I think he was probably the the best of the bunch. Yeah, and you could kind of see that with the fact that the Celtics went out in the game-changing run early, a 14-2 run uh, at the end of the first quarter to put them up 18, and that that run happened with Tatum off the court, yep. um, which just doesn't happen for this team ever um, in terms of the plus-minus department. And so, but no, when, when Smart... And it, that's an interesting tweak that Brad Stevens did in this game. Maybe he just saw, you know, Smart playing super well early and and figured, okay, um, you know, maybe I can get away with um, giving, you know, Tatum. Actually, no, he, Tatum, in the I second half, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, he is normal. I'd say the second half is when he switched it up with Tatum um, playing pretty much all the way through, not even resting at all. But, yeah, you're right. Like, he 
Tatum got the early rest, and those are usually minutes where the Celtics are, you know, buying their time until he can get back on there, and then they make their run. But this time it was the run came with him off the court, and they really didn't look back from there. Yeah, particularly in the first half, Tatum was not great. <laughs> Struggled a little bit early, missed a couple of, I think, makeable shots in the first few minutes, and kind of looked a little bit off. Uh, but normally, that really is sort of how Celtics games work. He makes that, Tatum comes out in that early substitution. You hope that they sort of keep things maybe level during in, during those minutes. And then, uh, you know, the Raptors were famous for years of those Lowry with bench units, right? And this year for the Celtics, it's been a lot of those Tatum with bench units where it's right. just sort of, you put like four guys who can sort of manage the game and, and play on the defensive end. And then Tatum just goes ISO in that, particularly in that second second quarter period. And the Celtics plus minus in those minutes have been great. It's where you get those sort of Tatum dribbles up on the left side of the court and he, you know, kind of, dribbles for a couple seconds, does a sidestep three, comes down, does another one, maybe gets in the lane once, drops it off, and Cantor maybe gets a dunk or something like that. And it's like, oh, okay, we just you get eight points in a few minutes or something like that. And like that's been such a big part of the Celtics' success this year is those Tatum plus three or four bench guys. And that was not, the, not at all the case today. Uh, Tatum struggled early, went off, like you said. The smart really, I think, led that, that surge through the end of the first quarter. And then... When Tatum came back, the second quarter was not good. Uh, the Celtics played pretty poorly in that quarter, and the Raptors missed a lot of threes that were you know, pretty much uncontested. And I think that's sort of where you saw the game go, okay, well, you get to halftime, and, and the Raptors had a real chance there in the second quarter to, to maybe pull everything that the Celtics had built in the first quarter back if they were able to make shots, and they couldn't. And then the whole second half was just sort of keep them at arm's length, and it was pretty well managed. But, um, you know, it was... It, it did not play to a normal Celtics game, even if it did play a little bit like a normal Celtics-Raptors game this year. Uh, and I think that, you know, like we started out with Smart and then the little bit of odd, uh, maybe odd game for Tatum, although it was much better in the second half, I thought, right. at least. Uh, really sort of set a, an interesting tempo for the game. Um, we'll see if it continues for the rest of the series. But uh, I, I'm guessing that those Tatum lineups with the bench will play much better as the series goes on just because of the the way that the the season has gone with them but you know not tonight uh, so uh it's that matchup zone that matchup zone yeah they really throws it for a loop yeah but you would I mean, think that the way that that unit plays because it's so iso heavy and because it's usually not tatum like getting all the way to the rim with those it's a lot of i guess maybe because canter you you do get in those units some canter offensive rebounding stuff and you think maybe against that kind of zone there will be an opportunity for that so maybe that's a place that that rob williams a player who i'm sure we will talk about going through here can can make a little bit of a difference but also i guess right there's so many trade-offs in this series if they go to the offensive glass are they not getting back on in transition and there, so there's a lot to, to talk about sort of in the strategic stuff in there but i would guess that even against those zones with the way that tatum normally plays with those units they'll they'll just naturally play a little bit better as the series goes on and and you probably aren't going to get smart shooting 60 percent from three every single night but right. uh, long may it continue let's don't jinx and, it and tice i feel like in on that zone offense just like bobbled like two or three passes oh, was, and like that yeah. he was he was butterfingers but and that is in i mean we'll get to, you brought him up here we might as well get to him right now rob williams um re-emerging in the rotation this was not a surprise um I think to either of us uh, and most um, close seas observers, just based off of the fact of how well he played in the in the bubble um, in the seeding games, and particularly how well he played against Toronto in that first matchup. Um, Philly is just not a good, you know, 
matchup for him, or it could have been, but he wasn't going to get another chance um, after Grant Williams looked good guarding Al Horford in game one and, and Rob Williams looked like he was on fast forward. Um, but this is, not, I would say the ceiling of this team, you know, even in the interim right now, Rob Williams made plenty of mistakes in this game, Ryan, but his rim running presence really throws Toronto's defense for a loop here because when you have so much shooting around him, um, their tendency to help and overhelp really puts them in a bind. And so with, with Williams being the best finisher of the bunch and kind of holding his own fairly well in defensive end, it it just adds another element to the seas that is going to be tough for Toronto to manage all series, it seems like. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's he's just such a different problem than really the Celtics have maybe ever had. I don't know when the last time <laughs> if the Celtics have ever had a player quite as athletic as, as he is and, and who plays in that way. And it certainly under Brad Stevens hasn't really been a feature of, of their offense, something that has, I think, been talked about a lot during during his tenure, that uh, looking for more shooting and skill versus athleticism and rim finishing. Um, but I, you know, I, I agree that I, I think this was pretty well telegraphed from uh, the first or the bubble Toronto uh, regular season game. Um, where it was just notable, not just how well he played, but that it seemed like it was part of a plan. It wasn't that he came in because they were down by 20 and he was, and right. Brad was looking to throw something at the wall. Like it was, this was part of an obvious strategy that they had identified as an opportunity to, to play him. And, and like you said, he just never had an opportunity to play in the Philadelphia series. Maybe if they start and they're down, you know, two games to one at some point, then there is a change, but Right, the, the series was so well handled, and Cantor did a, a, an admirable job with uh, what he was tasked to do, which was uh, certainly a, a difficult role in that series with, with Embiid out there, uh, that it just was never necessary to, to make that sort of change. But you, can, you could see from the bubble game and now from this that, that this is a matchup where they think that, uh, that Rob can succeed. And I, I just went to go look because I was like, I, he was 5 for 5 in this game. I thought he might have been five or five in in the last game. He was four or five, so he's now mm. <laughs> shooting a, a, a mere ninety percent against the Raptors in the bubble, uh, with twenty points in thirty total minutes. Right? He's he's giving Not them bad. real problems, and I think he's got five or six blocks in that that time period. So yeah, I, I made a comment during the game that it's like he's making like a mistake a minute, but the Celtics were plus ten in those minutes. Like they were, right. you know, he's he is what he is. He's all over the place, but the flashes are so bright. <laughs> that you just can't ignore, uh, you know, what he's bringing to to the game. And particularly, I think it's interesting against the Raptors, who are kind of similar to the Celtics, where they're not, like, the most... They're not the most athletic team, right? They have they certainly have some good athletes, um, but even the ones that you think about, like, Ibaka's not the level of athlete that he was. No, he's past his was, prime. Yeah, absolutely. He's not the player that, that, you, that people may remember from Oklahoma City, right? And... Siakam isn't like a super explosive athlete. Ananobi's more about sort of length and sort of the, the weirdness of the 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 shape of his body almost, right? He's all arms and legs and, and difficult to, to deal with. But he's not, he got a couple of dunks tonight, but, you know, he's not Rob Williams. So there's really not anybody on the floor who can, can match him. There aren't a ton of people in the league who can match him on just, just raw athleticism. But uh, he just really does pop in, in these games. And I think you do have to give give Brad credit for finding a matchup that worked last round and then not trying to carry it over here and not basically like burning a game or two games looking to see if Cantor would work here out of like respect for what he did in the first round and that he's a veteran and all that 
it's just this is our plan for the series. This is the time that we're going to get. You know, Tice is going to play uh, as much as as he can, but it's a Rob Williams and Grant Williams series, and I think that's that's not only good for the team and I think strategically good, but to me it's a little bit of promising in terms of like Brad's growth as a playoff coach that you're seeing him make. You know, he's not making reactive moves. This is a this is a proactive change. Uh, 100%. I think that's, that's a good sign. Yeah. 100%. I think that, to me, that was his biggest knock as a head coach in his first five or six years is the waiting too long to, like you said, the, the reactive moves, the, the waiting two or three games to make the starting lineup change or pull a guy out of rotation. Now, I mean, we saw it in game one against the Sixers. Like, once Williams struggled then like, okay, that was it. Like you, you're in for now. Cause I found someone in Grant Williams who could do this job for now, but that isn't going to mean you're going to be gone. It's just going to mean you're going to be gone for this, this matchup and um, him not worrying about hurting feelings and, you know, maybe having a bench of, I mean, it, this must be so nice for him compared to last season. Cause he like, I mean, we talked about it to death last year, you know, like just his unwillingness to go deeper into his bench when, you know, he had all the talent in the world last year, but he was afraid to go away from it when they were giving, weren't giving him what he needed off the bench, uh, a.k.a. Terry Rozier um, last year. So this is, you know, Cantor, not that Cantor is anywhere comparable to what Rozier was last year, but it, it just shows you that everything is going to change with this group um, against every team. Yeah, I think that's that that's a good point particularly compared to last year where you know one of my complaints last year and and I wasn't the only one was that there did sometimes feel like a lack of accountability where you had sure. players starting lineup players obviously Kyrie um and but also players who would, who did come off the bench who didn't seem to be playing like part of a team but there was never there didn't again there did not seem to be a whole lot of accountability in terms of those roles changing and in some cases that's a matter of personnel. And if there's just nobody behind that player and you have no other choice, then, you know, what can you do? But to see Cantor, I think, rightly rewarded for his level of play last round. And then again, like, you know, like I said, being proactive and saying we have a plan for this series. We're going to go back to to Rob Williams here and, and give him the opportunity. And uh, he, I think, has clearly earned that continuing on here. And we'll see if he continues to make mistakes, then the shooting doesn't hold up and things like that, then they're, I, you know, I, I don't think Cantor's going to get DMP'd for the entire series. Um, if they sweep, maybe he will, but, you know, I'm not expecting that. So uh, I do think that that, you know, that's been good. I, I'm still sometimes complain about, about Stevens and the way that uh, it seems like he doesn't trust some of the young players who I think maybe deserve it a little bit more than some others. Maybe the one player tonight who really didn't look all that good was, was Ojale. Tice had, Struggled on offensive end for sure, particularly against the zone, but um, did a number of other good things. Ojale, I think, really had some difficulty, especially when he got stuck on on Lowry and Van Fleet on switches. Uh, did really well against Siakam defending in the post, so not all bad. Um, but kind of struggled in some of those areas where I thought, okay, maybe we'll see a little bit more Romeo as the series goes on, and that's some of the same idea of you know accountability and trust and and making proactive decisions. But you know, again, they. They won by 18. They they easily could have won by more than that had they just uh, you know not gone into garbage time and sort of tossing the ball around at the at the very end. So it's hard to complain about anything. But you know if you're looking for one thing in there from the Celtics side, uh, that might be it. There is many many things that Raptors podcasts are complaining about right now, uh, yes. and that's you know the seventh or eighth man for the Celtics was not right, was like not a big deal. Exactly. But yeah, you're right. Like he 
Ozil did play 23 minutes, and I think, I mean, you know, I think he played that largely because of his defense on Siakam. And let's talk about Siakam here, because I think this is, in effect, the key to the series from a Toronto perspective, because they need him to be real. I mean, probably the second best player, maybe third best player in this series to win, I feel like, at minimum. And he was nowhere close to that in this game. Um, his playoff, I don't know, I've kind of been, he's an all-star, Ryan, but I, like looking at his playoff numbers before the series over his career, it's a, it's a pretty drastic dip. Um, yeah. And that is, a, you know, you compare that to like Tatum or Brown's numbers, and that tells me like, okay, Siakam is, you know, probably a notch below those guys, or at best even. And in this game, his offensive game was essentially post up and Brown, Ojale and smart just held up. And if he can't get that going, I mean, he missed a couple of bunnies. He probably won't shoot this poorly again, but at the same time, he really doesn't have the diverse offensive skill set to make you think that he's going to go for 20 to 25 a night against this team. Yeah. I mean, he, he looks very robotic. Um, and I, I'm certainly not, again, the only person who's pointed this out. It's sort of a meme, right, that it's like, oh, he's got one move, right? He's got this spin yeah. move that everybody says, oh, it's one of the best spin moves in the league. But if you if that's the only move you have and you're always going to it when you're trying to do anything from the perimeter, it's it, you know, you're playing the same team over and over again. They're kind of going to get the rhythm of what you're trying to do there if you don't have any, any counters or any variety of your game. It's almost startling to think that, like, Jalen's handle and his sort of craft as a, as a ball handler in general – looks so much better than Siakam's and I'm not like, Tatum, Tatum obviously like but even Jalen who you know 18 months ago you never would have thought that and now the we saw his development during the regular season and and how that's carried over and and makes him a dangerous player in the playoffs he wasn't great tonight struggled with foul trouble um he was fine you know he had an off shooting night that it is what it is but it didn't look like it was like a a thing that will continue for Jalen it looked like yeah okay he had an off night with Siakam, I agree. There were some things in the, you know, some shots from three feet away in the post where they're not easy finishes because he's got Ojale is obviously a difficult player to move or he had some other difficult matchups, but you'd expect him to do better on some of those than he did. But it just, he seems predictable. Um, and predictable is okay if you're Kevin Durant or, as we saw last year, Kawhi Leonard, but he's not he's not that level of player. And really what happened is he got off to a very hot start at the beginning of the season. And then he settled down to sort of lower level all-star performance level, right? For the rest of the year. And that's not really any different from where Jalen's level is. It's just that Siakam had a very hot start to the season and you add it all up and those, those games count. And so he, he sort of looks a level above where Jalen is. But to me, like Tatum is clearly the, the most talented offensive player in the series. Kemba, second by a you know a pretty wide margin uh, and I you almost trust like Fred Van Vliet to create more you know to create more quality shots than than what you're going to get out of any sort of Siakam isolation stuff he, he really does seem like a player who still needs somebody else to create the best opportunities for him and that's I think the story of this game and, and the last game it's just when the Raptors have to play half-court offense we know they weren't great all season long and when they have to play half-court offense against a really good defense, there's there's just not a whole lot there um, in order to to really force any sort of openings other than, again, that's why it almost feels like Van Fleet has a, a better chance of, of opening up some of those seams 
and his shooting, Van Vliet's yeah, shooting that, today that, was miserable. That's not good. That's not going to continue. <laughs> that's not going to, his shooting, the level of their, their backcourt shooting is not going to continue, right? They were three for 16 from, from three, and some of those were, were really wide open. But yeah, it's just like, those aren't names that scare you if you're the Celtics and, and you get back in transition and you force them to play in the half court. And I don't know what they can do to change that, right? You know, uh, you can, Nick Nurse can get all the plaudits he wants for running triangle and two and all these interesting gimmick defenses, all that. But like when it comes down to it, if you, if you have to score a, a basket and like your opportunity is, okay, we're going to have Fred Van Vliet run something. And if it doesn't work into a Pascal Siakam post up, there's just not a lot of like really high quality offense there. Um, and I think that's a and, big concern, you know, for the series for them, uh, because I don't, I don't see a lot <laughs> coming out of that. No, I mean the, the Celtics are getting back in transition. They're that's priority number one. That's and that's where Toronto gets most of their their points easily. And so if that goes away, which it tends to do in the postseason, um, you have an issue. And to your point on Van Fleet being a better option for than Siakam, here's the problem. Guess guess what Van Fleet is shooting on the season against the Celtics. And this is over. He played all four games, 147 minutes. So, you know, a pretty decent sample size. I'm going to say it's something like 30% if you're asking me. This is one of those ones where it's either got to be really high or really low, right. and I think it's really low. 70%. No, it's uh, 33%. Yeah. Um, and 36% from three, but this is what problem with Fan Fleet is at the rim. And yeah. I think he finishes, like, I think he's a 51% finisher, which is just really bad at the rim all season long. And the Celtics have length and that is especially if rob williams is playing down there van fleet caught rob williams a couple times and didn't even try going at him at the rim didn't even want to like you know yeah go on that territory so with kemba really looking strong and putting up a really nice fight around screens and making sure van fleet didn't get you know good open looks from threes uh for most of the night um this is a problem because there's no other good source of consistent offense on the team. Yeah, Abaka and Powell can hit some threes off the bench, you know, but that's not going to keep pace with a top three offense in the NBA right now, and that's what the Celtics are. Yeah, and I don't think that Van Vliet's even the threat as a scorer necessarily. I, I mean more like he's the only one who can create a good shot for, for anybody on the team, right? Lowry can right. too, obviously. Uh, uh, every, I don't know. Everybody who watches the NBA loves Kyle Lowry, right? I, I love Kyle Lowry's... Uh, fun to watch and happy for uh, his recent successes and all of that. Uh, but it like it's just the, the point being more that Siakam may be their best finisher, but he doesn't create in the same way that, that Kemba and, and Jason can. Or for that matter, the one, again, the one I go back to that's scary is that he doesn't really create even as well as Jalen does at this point. And if the Celtics had Gordon Hayward, then you would put Hayward in, in that same that same group and say, you know, even he's going to create out of straight, like, give me the ball and I will go and get a basket sort of stuff better than I think Siakam does. And that's where it really comes down to Lowry and Van Vliet being able to create shots for sort of a team that has maybe more finishers than the Celtics do between Siakam. Again, we saw Anunoby score some a little bit. Norm Powell can finish. He can make shots. We saw Abaka made a three from, I don't know, four feet behind the line when I think he surprised Rob Williams when he came in the second one he made. So they have guys who can finish, but I don't, I just don't think they have a lot of creators. And when you're in the half court against that level of, of defense, and that's how the playoff series go right last year, it was just, Hey, we can give the ball to Kawhi Leonard and, and he can 
can get you a hoop pretty much against anybody, and they absolutely do not have that right now. And I hope this doesn't all seem silly, right? Maybe Siakam goes off for 40 points every the rest of the series and makes us all look, look foolish, but uh, for what we've seen in the games against the Celtics so far, like they just don't have the juice to get in there. Um, and I think that's you know that's got to be their biggest worry. They look a little bit like the team that I think people thought they were going to be to start the season when you looked right. and said, okay, they're going to have the pride of you know defending a title and all that. But you could these aren't like these aren't surprises that these are showing up in the playoffs. Like these are things that have been around all year. They were again things that I think if you look just at their the level that their team was to, to begin the year were sort of going to be expected. And they have a better record than the Celtics this year, and uh, because. They are a very professional team that plays very good defense, and they get out in transition, and in the regular season, all that stuff kind of works. Uh, they show up every night, and in the playoffs, everybody shows up every night, and this might just be sort of them finding their own level. But again, right, it's one game. I, I This could all seem ridiculous, and they go out and win the next four games or something, but it doesn't certainly doesn't feel that way at the moment. Um, feel pretty good as a Celtic fan. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of... Hilarious to think that the Celtics are in the same exact spot they were last year. In terms a little of different. sweeping the first. I mean, but, exactly, different. but it's not. But exactly. But it's not. I don't it's, think. It's not. I don't think Kemba has one foot out the door and is going to sabotage the entire team to make <laughs> it a little bit easier and for it to be less uh, less pressure on him when he makes a decision to actually jump ship and that he's Kemba is not going to undermine the entire team. I don't. I don't think. Um, particularly because you know he's not a free agent, but. Um, He's also trying on defense. He's trying, yeah, he's trying to help on defense. Kyrie was trying to do something, but (laughs) I think it was try to lose. (laughs) Um, So it does not, it really doesn't feel anything like that. I mean, I remember after that first game, we were having some of the same conversations about, all right, you know, this shooting discrepancy on from three between the two teams isn't going to hold up and, and, you know, okay, well, but um, it's just, Right, it it feels very different after this game than it than it did after game one of, you know, against Milwaukee last year, at least to me. Well, I mean, I think you start with here, like beyond the chemistry stuff, the Celtics have the best player in the series. Yep, and that was the, not the case. Possibly um, the two best players in the series if right, Kemba is I, healthy. It could <laughs> be the, the. I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to think it could be the top three. Like if if Lowry's not. I mean, we don't know how much that ankle's bothering him. He did not yeah. look sharp in that game one. Uh, five turnovers, um, you know, eight assists, 17 points. was just a meh effort from him. He did a good job on Tatum early in the game, but, um, you know, he wasn't able to do too much heavy lifting there. And so, I mean, I thought in the first round, the Celtics had the three best players in that series too. Now, Embiid, obviously, big picture, is one of the better guys in the league when you have the right people around them but when you don't no that's not the case and i guess this... it's not the time for that conversation with me right but another time <laughs> have that conversation with me where i just don't think that's actually true but we don't need right. to have that right now we can it might not be true you're right like it's, we've had, we've seen enough of a sample size now where we have to question whether that's how long can you keep saying that um for a guy that just runs out of gas in the second round i'm um, second quarter every game and and falls short in the playoffs yeah, I don't know. He's perpetually answering the question, what would Patrick Ewing look like in 2020 NBA? And uh, <laughs> it's a good player. It's a really good player. Uh, but I don't know. We don't need to talk about that right, well, too much. But yeah, I mean, I agree. It's, if if the Lowry that we saw tonight is the is what he is, and, and maybe that's some of the injury stuff and it will improve. Maybe it was just an off night, whatever it might be. Uh, but I think 
I do think that he's the the best Raptor still, um, particularly with all the you know the challenges that that Siakam might face. Siakam's a better finisher, a better scorer in in the big picture. But um, with all that Lowry brings on both ends, I think he's still you know probably the Raptors' best player. And if if he's limited in any way, then you really do get into that conversation about like is is Jalen or Siakam the next best player? And you just start to stack it up and you say, you know, Celtics have a lot of talent and the talent that they have is, you know, pretty well suited for, for playoff basketball um, because, you know, again, to go back to stuff that we're already talking about here, if you're facing a really good half-court defense and you have to give the ball to somebody and tell them to go and get a bucket, if you went down the, the list of these two teams, the first two players are going to pick our Celtics and one of them is going to be on the floor all the time when the game matters and that might i mean obviously that won't be the case if they advance beyond this and you go to milwaukee or something like that but like the raptors don't have the length and athleticism even to really bother kemba i don't think um which this just isn't the type of marcus is a great defensive player but he's again another player who's passed not even i don't think he like not anymore no i mean he was yeah i mean he was yeah i don't i don't think he is at this point either but like um there's just this is not the type of opponent that's gonna that's gonna really give Kemba problems either. I think maybe they give give Tatum more problems, but his his baseline is just so high at this point that you know he played poorly tonight, but twenty one and nine, right? Like that was his poor effort tonight. It was was he went was Jason goes for for twenty one and nine. So right. um, there's gonna be some thirty point games coming in this series from from him. Uh, you know I'd be shocked if there aren't. So. I don't know how many ways you can say it, right? But it just feels feels like a matchup that's that's tilted pretty well in in the Celtics' favor after two bubble games uh, and this one this one playoff game. So, because what do you, what do you do if you're Nick Nurse right now in terms of? Yeah, I, I think you have a couple options. You could conceivably go super small, a lot more with Norm Powell, and yeah. throw Gasol out and just say, hey, this is the only way we're going to score is to really stretch you and roll the dice of that. Even though that you become a huge liability, I mean, defensively, you're in a real tough spot there um, with that group. So I think that's why they try to air away from that. But beyond that, I don't know where else you really turn, especially if, um, you know, Tice and Rob Williams keep providing some production in the middle, um, which isn't, huge but just to to keep the rest of the defense honest uh, around the shooting um you're really you're really in a tough spot yeah and that's a little bit what i was getting at where i was saying you know like last year a lot of the adjustments they were making were on the defensive end and it worked out well particularly against milwaukee where they're like oh we're gonna throw this box and one out there and things like that but like that doesn't solve the problems that they have this year and i think maybe if they were to make a lineup change it would go a little bit different maybe they take out ananobi and put in powell because ananobi's has his you know, there's people who think that he's a, a really high-end one-on-one defender, but like, usually, if you're going to defend, if, you know, the players who have had good success defending Tatum are smaller. They're not necessarily the Ananobi type, and like you said, Lowry did a good job defending him early in the game and really getting under him. And and sometimes the way you get you get to Tatum is you frustrate him more than anything, right? You just he goes over three, and you say, yeah, oh, is this going to be another three for fourteen start or something like that? Um, and so I don't really know if they need Ananobi in this in this matchup, especially with um, you know with the Celtics starting not a particularly big lineup in their own with Hayward out and, and Smart in. 
where if they really are struggling to to score, maybe that's the change, and that you bring Powell in for Ananobi, and that gets you a little bit more scoring. But like, is Norm Powell the solution to all of the world's problems in this? Like, I don't know if that's that's realistic either. Uh, if you want to get really wild and you just are like, we cannot score, you know, Matt Thomas is like a really fantastic shooter. <laughs> you go like nuts, sort of like what the I, the one I always go back to, right? The one I always make jokes about is when the one time Brad made a really wild change and he played Gerald Green, right? He, oh, we need a big change here. We need somebody who can shoot the ball. And you go so crazy, you just bring in, or, or Terrence Davis isn't quite the same level of shooter, but that kind of thing where you, you say like, okay, well, if we're going to put a small on Tatum anyway to start the game, and we're not that worried about Smart going shooting five or nine from three every single game. Like, do you go real small and play three guards, Siakam at, at power forward, and and Gasol at center? Like, that's sort of break glass in, in case of emergency stuff. But like, if they go down, you know, if they come out in game two and they get blitzed out of the out of the gates again, like, that's kind of break glass in, in case of emergency time. Um, but I just don't look at at the at what they have and think like. That there's a scary player sitting there in in the wings. If they're if they existed on this team, they would have been playing already. Because it's not like this team didn't have scoring problems to go, you know, all the way during or at least half court scoring problems all the way through the year. So I don't really know. Nick Nurse is a better coach than I am. Maybe he has will find the solution again. Right? It's one game, and we say I'm saying it over and over again. This could all sound silly if they come out and and play completely differently in game two and and control the game, but. Um, there's nothing that I look down at the bench and I'm like, oh, well, uh, the obvious change is this. Like, there isn't really anything that's super obvious to me that's going to solve that problem of not being able to score against a really good Celtics half-court defense. Yeah, for sure. And I, like, when I bring up Powell to go and I don't think they should start him. It's more just, like, go with that lineup more. Yeah. Just, no, like, going you. the... But but you're right. It is, like, benching OG is, I think, makes plenty of sense when if you're going to have him guard smart who can get by him off the dribble... And then, like you're you're kind of wasting him um, from a matchup standpoint. So, moving a shooter into that spot to keep the Celtics defense a little more honest and and spread might be the way to go. But I just see like the Raptors bigs or just a big like Gasol with Kemba coming around the the pick and rolls at the top of the key. Just that being a huge liability for them all series long. And I'm not sure how you can adjust that. With, um, with a true big or a slow-footed big like a saw in the lineup um, for 26, 30 minutes a game. I just think that's yeah. uh, a really tough spot for him. Well, it's five straight games. We've been talking about that now, right? It's the same, right. very it's much the same, the same story we talked about last series. And, and again, we don't want to look forward, but um, it's the, the sort of thing that you talk about with the Bucks and say, okay, can Kemba give them a lot of trouble? And now they have, there's more sort of point of attack defense on that with, with Bledsoe and uh, and all that kind of stuff that you can talk about down the line with your regular co-hosts if they are lucky enough to make it that far. But no, you'll be, you'll be back it is five that. games in. We're talking about the same the same problem where, uh, and and I sort of made a joke at one point in the in the Philadelphia series where I was like, you know, at first I was mad that Tice wasn't taking these wide open threes they're giving him. Then I was thinking like, I don't know, maybe there's like some strategic benefit in not taking them because it doesn't pull doesn't force the 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 big to come out for his own guy, and so they continue to lay back and think, well. Tice isn't going to shoot the ball, but it opens up so much from the little dribble handoff game they have and just from really traditional, I'm coming around a screen, there's no, there's nobody contesting, I'm just going to pull up. Um, and, and Kemba's had clear sailing on that for, for five games now. Um, and if that continues for the rest of this series, then 
you know, again, it's he's um, he was talking about it in the last round about how he's never had that much space. I don't think it was quite as severe in this in this series, particularly because you know Lowry and and Van Vliet know how to how to defend a point guard when, against you know coming up against their own drop defense. But um, it's it's really noticeable. It's really noticeable when you've got a couple of guys who can come around a screen and just elevate right from behind the three point line, and there's you know the contest is coming from behind and the guys who are contesting aren't super long-armed big guys necessarily um and it's it's got to be a little bit nice for for Kemba to maybe be in here and and noticing hey this isn't Charlotte like they actually have to stick with my teammates and it's not a I'm not going one on five all the time it's traditional two on two kind of stuff where the big is given a lot of space and, and he's able to to play off that so that's the kind of thing that I think that there are some adjustments like we're talking about, you know, nurses known for having sort of defensive solutions. So some of that stuff is maybe they have more adjustments they can go, but even those adjustments, like that's not going to, again, like you have to give solve a fundamental problem that they scored 94 points tonight. And that's right. right they got to score more. And if they can't, then the Celtics are going to win the series. I mean, it's the same situation with the Sixers couldn't get, yep. couldn't score in that series. And the Celtics, despite scoring, you know, scored 112 points despite having 22 turnovers. Yep. Like, that's... And the, the three-point shooting did come back down to earth after the first quarter as and well. And the free-throw so. shooting, too. I mean, they right. had... I think they had 11 free-throws in the first quarter, and it was sort of like... Right. They had a very... The Celtics had a very favorable whistle in the first quarter when they... You know, the, what they were up 16, 17 at the end of the first, and it could have been more than that. I think the Raptors hit a couple threes near the end. Of, it was basically a perfect quarter for the Celtics to open the game. But they did have a... Certainly, I think, a favorable whistle. There were some calls that were you know <laughs> the and also Siakam got three in the first quarter which may have contributed some that he was just had, had a bad rhythm in this game to some of the stuff we were talking about earlier but then it was what 25 to to 10 free throw advantage for the Raptors for for the second through the fourth quarter so they didn't really have like these big crazy things happen right they took one less three than, than the Raptors did they they made more because the Raptors couldn't shoot at all but again like you said the the real like 60 something percent shooting they had in the first quarter came back to earth the free throw shooting they took eight fewer free throws right like there there's not these huge things in there and they turned the ball over 22 times and they scored 112 points and won the game handily in, in the second half and that's sort of I think when we go back to what we were opening the podcast talking about that there were some things you look at to say okay maybe this will equalize but like even if they equalize you equalize all those things and the Celtics are still going to win these games by double digits um, if if something more sort of fundamental doesn't change in there for the Raptors which yeah, I don't know what that is. It's it'll be Nick Nurse coach of the year. Um, yeah, has a tough one to to figure this out tonight because there's I'm looking at it right now. I don't see really easy answers for him. Um, all right, before we wrap, uh, do the Heat have any chance of beating the Bucks? Sure, <laughs> it's the playoffs. Teams have chances. Um, I, I mean, I am not one of the people who's thinks that the Bucks sky is falling. Uh, you know they're they lost the first game, right? They haven't played great in the bubble. Um, Orlando so loves the game ones of the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. I mean, I've seen too many series, first round series, where it goes. You know, the Celtics famously have had a, have had sort of seven game series along the way, um, even when they were clearly the the better team. Um, you know, even going back to the the Big Three era. So, I'm not one who thinks that the sky is falling. I do. I agree that. Miami presents some particular matchups, uh, matchup issues, you know, with the way that, that 
the Bucks want to defend the three-point line or don't want to defend the three-point line, sort of like the Raptors don't particularly want to defend the three-point line, um, and that can cause problems against the Heat. Um, and I appreciate the benefits of small ball, but a lot of what you know what Miami does with small ball is not that they're getting a ton of shooting on the floor. Right? They usually have three really good shooters and two that aren't great, and and it's not so it's not like they're playing you know crazy five-out stuff with with Butler and, and Bam out there. And I just look and I think you know. Milwaukee's good, and they're very, very big, and I think over the course of a seven-game series, they're going to sort of bludgeon the heat a little bit, and um, and they'll find a way to get through it. But yeah, I mean, the Heat have a chance. Um, I, I'm I'm not going to deny that. And you also throw in just any in this weird environment. I know through the first round that the the favorites have really controlled things. But you, we don't know for sure that in this kind of odd bubble environment that it won't kick up some strange things. And maybe there's just sort of more variance than normal. And maybe that plays into the heat being, you know, as coming from an underdog position as well. So they certainly have a chance. But, I mean, I I still think that, the you know, the Bucks are just a more talented and better team. And that ultimately, that'll that'll be the win. I don't know why. Are you asking because you, you are the other way? Like, do you think Miami's a, you, you banking on the heat being the Celtics? uh Eastern no, I, 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 mean, I don't think it's going to happen. I think that's. I, just, I think it's going to be a long series. I think my, Milwaukee will win. Um, we need but one. it's like they have the back. right. I mean, it's stretch that's it all. The thing. <laughs> so you got to stretch it out. Because um, what's what are we at? There, this is two weeks essentially for him. Yeah, no, I mean he's not so. going to be back. I don't think he's going to be back at all. I, I from the time yeah, the injury and, came with the whole thing, like I think he's out for the entire playoffs. But particularly with how quickly the first round went, everywhere other than what Utah, Denver now. Um, and they had said from before, you know, they only put out the first round dates and they said, okay, we'll move up games at any time we can. They started the second round before the first round ended. Things like that you wouldn't normally see. So right. um, things are moving along quickly, and I'm just assuming that Hayward's out for the entire playoffs. But if they want to go seven games, open up some possibilities and draw some <laughs> things out, I'm not going to complain. Plus, it would, you know, let them beat on each other for, for an extra couple of games. Um, and again, I say all this, now the Celtics will go seven games with the Raptors and that will be a four-game sweep and I'll be going, ah, why did I, I should have never said anything. But I don't think what I say impacts stuff, but I don't, you know, I can't be sure. We'll, we'll find out. We'll, we'll check the tape. This is all my thoughts. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I had a tell, did you, what was your predict, what's your pre, what was your pre-series prediction for this? I didn't even for, make a series. I mean, I thought it was a toss-up because I thought without Hayward that it would, you know, basically a toss-up series after this game. You know, Celtics in five? Is that too aggressive? I mean, um, no, I don't think it is. But we'll f- I had Celtics in seven. But I think like going Celtics in five after seeing that game, like it's not like it's a home court issue. So, um, you, yeah, if, if, if I they, I would have picked Celtics in seven if I had to. You know, if there was any real reason for me to to make a pick. Um, but that, right, one game in the bank and, and to have it look so similar to the last time they played. Um, you know, I would be more aggressive than that, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll put a bow on it there. Ryan Berndoni, uh, at DangerCart on Twitter. I'm sure you're following him already if you're a winning plays listener, but if you're not, definitely check him out there. Check the world-famous DangerCart blog out as well. Hopefully the draft rankings are coming out soon. Um, we don't know when the draft's going to be, so you know, I don't want okay, to jump Okay, so hold on, I'm going to go too early, all right. Have to so collect that's... more non-information about all these <laughs> potential prospects. <laughs> One of the best records in the biz. But uh, Ryan, as always, a pleasure to have you on. Um, we'll be back uh, with you guys probably right after game two. Um, 
and Ryan will surely bring back later in the postseason whenever um, his schedule allows. But uh, thanks as always for listening. Hit us up at Winning Plays Pod uh, with any feedback, and we will catch you guys after game two.